Oh, it's uh, Monday night. It's time for the Pod Notes podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's nice to have everyone tuned in. Who have we got in the room? White sides here. Um, Holy, hello, hello. Our special guest, Max. And Keith Gabadon Thompson, also known, aka Tomo. Oh, yes, and myself, Tomo. Tomo. Yes. Thanks for coming on. And myself, Duffman. So uh, thanks to everyone who's been commenting on the on the socials and giving us feedback. And thanks for listening, everybody. So without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, so this week's topic's gonna be mental health. So obviously, Keith, mind moves. Tell us a little bit. Yes, okay. So I run a, uh, a company, a CIC, called Mind Moves, Mentoring. And that includes taking people out for walks and talks. So we end up in mountains or alleyways, it doesn't really matter. We drive around, we mentor while we're driving, and sometimes we get the bikes out and, they, and we cycle and mentor. So it's basically mentoring on the move. So we get rid of four walls and we're always out in the open or moving and grooving. And the theory came from, I suppose it was more like when you get in a taxi, okay, so you get out of a taxi and what you leave the taxi driver with? Tip. Your life. Yeah. I don't leave a tip. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you leave him with your life story and you get off, don't you? So when you get in a taxi and you're driving around and the taxi driver doesn't even know you and you get out you feel that little bit more larger don't you that little bit more taller you feel that more, little more taller and you're getting off and you're thinking you know what? i've just put all that on the taxi driver and the taxi driver gets off as well the same with hairdressers as well even though i haven't been to an hairdresser for about two weeks an hairdresser you, again you go to an hairdresser's you're speaking you're talking and then you'll get off and the hairdresser deals with your stuff so the whole theory was around just people leaving you with the story and so we've done the outdoors as well so it's walking cycling it's mad you said that because like for a while now i've been thinking about the, the journey of, of life and it's like you're in a car it's traveling down the motorway isn't it and different people will get in and out as you go along but a lot of people don't understand that sometimes you have to pull over to the service station and take a moment have a picnic have a coffee and taking your surroundings and I think in this busy lifestyle we're doing these days that it's difficult for people to take that break and I think what you're doing is you're way ahead of the curve with getting out in nature as well by the way I thought that's fantastic because everyone's on it now but I've seen you on that for like three or four years now and it's been excellent yeah well it's a bit weird because I became a qualified walker some years ago it's called the Beeler walk where you sort of get a certificate to walk so many distances certain terrains etc and when the business come around, I was actually in the gym and I just finished with youth work after about 35 years. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to be a taxi driver because I wanted to be a taxi driver, talking to people in and out of cars, sharing lives, sharing stories. So I was hell bent on being a taxi driver. And this guy went, why are you giving up your skill set? And I went, wow, what a sentence that was. And I went, I'm not giving up my skill set. I'm actually enhancing it in this little small room called the car. And he went, well, why don't you do both? I said, well, do youth work and taxiing. And he went, yeah. And that's where my moves came okay. about. It was about sort of driving around and talking to people. And the reason why I didn't continue to be driving around all the time is because suddenly we had uh, covid and people were scared to get in cars because the business started just around COVID. People were a bit scared getting in cars. So out in the open we got, and then that's where I found, I thought, oh, I'll polish off my walking certificate here. 
And away we went. I think it's great. I think the the outdoors is a big one because not an expert in this, but I can imagine a lot of people's mental health issues come down the media screen. They, they, that's a trigger for a lot of people, what they see on social media. Yeah, so if the, if the opposite they see on that. the telly and all that, but when you're out, it's not there, is it? You're not looking at it. Yeah. So it, it takes you away from that, so you're more able to communicate yeah. rather than let it swallow you. Yeah. And I think you touched on it before around, when even when we're out in the mountains or out in the hills uh, and people are walking, sometimes they're walking with their head down and I've got to stop them sometimes and say, just stop and look around you. And you can just see them go. <gasps> just yeah. they've got to take that pause. Where they don't, it's the same as sort of they're on multimedia platforms. They like sort of head down, computer, computer, computer. Get out and have a walk. It's weird in life, isn't it? The way you don't you don't put the brakes on. We're all guilty of it because life's so busy all the time. It's gone exponential in its speed. Most special with the introduction of technology, it's bad. Going back to the car scenario again. I've been talking to a few people lately. They've had a couple of issues, and they'll know who they are now. Listen to the show, and I've been having talks like yourself. I've been quite inspired by yourself, and the car analogy is brilliant. And the dealing with bits of trauma, and I'm like, look, imagine yourself in a car. It's it's travelling down the road. It's getting further and further in your mirrors. You can't put the handbrake on and go back to it. So you have to deal with the situation by understanding that it's gone, and how do you move forward and look at the scenery again and like i say your car will change you might get a family and you go from a sports car when you were a teenager to a family or even a coach like Lockie has <laughs> <laughs> and but then people will go out and you'll probably end back up in the sports car but people are coming in and out of your life won't they in the vehicles yeah. and you've got to enjoy the scenarios and then people in the vehicle as well it, it's a cracking analogy the taxi thing and it really is yeah and you're right and like in any walk of life people come and go but if you can box it and go, well, actually, I know when these people are going to come in and out of my life. Like, So all you guys have been in and out of my taxi at some point. Yeah, on many on occasions. Journey. Yeah, on many occasions, in and out, back in again, out again, in and again. And actually, as long as you're moving forward and we're moving forward together, that's where we get the, the wheels rolling and then you can stop and have a little look. Okay, so a bit about your background then, Keith. Obviously, we know you're a massive youth worker. Um, well, Keith, can, can we go? Can we, for three. <laughs> can we rewind it back a bit so you can tell us a little bit about your youth background? Okay, so way back in the early 80s, I went to a, a youth club called The Boise, which is on Torrington Drive. And throughout them years, we all become a family. And The Boise was a rite of passage for anybody sort of in that end of Aylwood. If, uh, if you're anyone and you survived and you survived a Boise, it was <laughs> like it, a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage. And so, as I'm going through my rite of passage with the rest of the family, all the gang, and there's generations of people that have been there before me, this guy called uh, Alan Marsh took over the Boise and he ran it for years. And he came from Bournemouth. So, he was actually what you call a water boy. He went, he delivered. Um, he delivered papers and letters uh, across the islands around by Bournemouth uh, for free, and he's a churchgoer. So fast forward, this guy ends up on Torrey, applied for a job somehow, and ends up on Torrey from a uh, churchgoer, a uh, water boy, straight to Torrey. That's a very, that's, that's it's quite the, it's quite the change. It Transition. <laughs> and why I say that is because 
many years ago. Have you ever heard of it's like a French word for old footage? Oh, Pathé, right? Pathé, yeah. So. His friend in Halewood is this was a priest. So when we did a a big event for him some years ago, it was in the Echo. We did a big event for him because he was back in Halewood. Everybody, I think Simbad from Brookside, he yeah. laid the first brick for the Boise on the foundations. But everybody came um, and we were in the Derby Arms, absolutely packed the Derby Arms up with all the people that he, all the lives he affected. And one of the things was, is he built the club up so big, it became the best youth club, the best boys club in the, in the country. So as it's going on, I was, I was like quite uh, boisterous. So I used to test every youth worker that came into the youth club. So I would um, make a lot of youth workers cry, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed to say, uh, because I sort of done all kinds of them, including Alan Marsh, who was the club leader. So. Every now and again, they want to break into the tuck shop and take some dubber. And sometimes they break into the office. So I broke into the office one day and I, and I seen this cup, like a big silver cup, and it had all badges in it. Now, back in the 80s, it was very popular to have tops with badges on. Uh, and I couldn't afford it. So I thought, Do you know what? There's a load of badges. I'll go to St. John's Market, I'll buy a top, and I'll sew all them badges on. So I robbed the office, took all the badges off that he'd been collecting for years and years and years. Sewn them on my top, I went into the club the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it weren't me. <laughs> yeah, I went into the club the next day and I was expecting everyone to go, oh, no, no. but it was more about the shame, really. It was like, yeah. wow, what have you done? This is Alan Marsh. And then all the elders were sort of giving me the eyes. I mean, I name no names, but there's, a, there's certain fames as we grow up. And it was like, wow, oh, what have you done? And I was thinking, I'm just sewing this. But it was all the nostalgia that I took from him. Yeah, so... When we did this event for him in Halewood, my main thing was to sit down to him and be able to, before, because he was getting on, before anything happened to him, he had, to think he had cancer in the eye when he came to see us, to say sorry to him. And I said to him, listen, because it's been bugging me for years that I wanted to say sorry to him. So I got next to him, just me and him, and I said, Alan, I'm really sorry about what I did to you. I'm really sorry about showing the patches on there and just sort of taking all your nostalgia and all the history away from you. And I'm just like sort of dead cheeking and sewing it on my top and came in the next day. Really, really sorry. And he stopped me and he goes, I'm really sorry to you as well. And I went, why? And he said, I should have, because I was acting up all the time. He goes, this is why I think you were acting up because I never put you in the football team. And because all my mates were in the football team, Degsy, Bibby, all like sort of boss football players, they were all in the football team. And I wasn't good enough to be in the football team. So I didn't realise that until he told you me. You were acting out. Yeah, I was acting out. And that's why I did that. And he, he ended up apologising to me. And I just went, wow. So after I did that, I went to London, done some construction work and that. And then I came back when I was 18, a bit lost. And I walked into the youth club, I knocked on the door and I said, give us a job. I know what he said. Okay. And that was me 35 year career. Still going. That's amazing. So, so on youth work now, do you think there's a lack of youth work now and a lack of, of like them facilities for the kids? There's a lack of facilities. There's not a lack of youth work skills. The youth work service has been decimated right across the country and it has been for years. So you're seeing less and less youth clubs right across the country. I mean, all, all you guys are out, well, most of you guys are army. I know you some 
experiences through the youth, youth services. But yeah, Youthway is still around, but it's it's in different places. It's like in, in youth offending, it might be in this scheme, it might be in that scheme, but youth clubs are being decimated everywhere. But Boise is still going strong and, and big hats off to the crew that work there. Obviously, I was been there in the 80s and it's still flying. They have so. a decent boxing club out of there yeah, as well, don't they? Yeah, always have done, yeah. Max, you, you, you've you been to that as well, isn't it? So that's a bit mad. Yeah, yeah. Max is my son, by the way. Max <laughs> Gabbard on Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started going boxing, it must have been two years ago, and I went with John Edge. Like, even when I just walked into that place, because I used to go to the boys when I was little, I left the school clubs and all that. And it all just hit me when I walked in because I was like, I remember all this. But then I'd never walked into the gym, into the ring. And then having that done for the first time, and like fighting people for the first time was like weird for me. So I uh, have that kind of connection to the Boise. Yeah, it's heavy. Heavy the Boise. Yeah. That's, that's, some, that's youth work, but the mind moves is not just youth, is it? No, no, my moves is, is everything. And it's not just mental, it's not mental health, it's well-being. So my moves sort of supports every anyone from the ages of ten right through to, to one hundred and ten, and they come to me. They do an app, a little application, so I get funding from national lot entrepreneur, postcode lottery, things like that. So I apply for funding. But anyone that comes to me, some people like say, "Can I pay you privately?" And I go, "No, I've got funding. You're getting it for free." The last thing I want to do is be charging people to support, their, yeah, yeah. to support their well-being. So. Everything I get gets poured back into it, people's well-being. So yeah, the age range is right through, male, female, whatever they present with, uh, everything and anything. So, what's the biggest challenges that you come across on a day-to-day basis or yeah, a what weekly are people basis? Coming to you with? What What's your biggest challenges? Whether to be financial or do you come across some situations that are upsetting? Oh what's... yeah, I mean, God, I've, um, I've told you some of the some of the situations. So I've worked with people who've wanted who've been let's see let me pick one people who've uh, transitioned sexually mm. uh, not once not twice three times so they've gone from a man to a woman back to a man from a man back to a woman and back to a woman to a man and so they've been through lots of different uh, scenarios lots of different thought processes but a lot of what I'm working with as well is loneliness people being lost a lot of metal, when I say mental health, poor mental health, because you can have good mental health and you can have poor mental health. A lot of people with poor mental health. A lot of stuff around after COVID as well is absolutely massive. I mean, I know it was going to be big, um, and it's bigger than massive actually because we don't know how big it is. I think it's going on and on and on. So a lot of the people I'm working with and, and come through the door do present with sort of being lost or being lonely. Some of them have health conditions. So yeah, it, it, it really is a lot of things. Sometimes it, it is about health. Sometimes I say to them, well, what do you want to do? And they might say, well, I want to get healthier. So instead of giving them a a, a leaflet and saying, there's the gym, um, there's a leaflet for there, I become the leaflet. So I go with them. If they need to go to AA, I don't give them an AA leaflet. I go with them. So Brilliant. it's about the walking and talking and being around there and sort of being as around as, as much as you can. And that includes sort of phone calls through the week and saying, listen, Tom, my head fell off, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And you, you're just trying to guide them as much as you it, can. It's so powerful that you talk about that. Lately, I've noticed if you message people, just to let them know that you're on the other end of the phone, whether it be a WhatsApp or whether you just pick up the phone for two minutes, it goes a long way, you know. It does go a long way. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people could just do that and make someone's day. 
I've yeah. encouraged you actively yeah, now yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, even more than makes it one stage. So I was just, I was doing an evaluation of a project I did the other week and I was getting some of the uh, feedback from the people I'd worked with. And one of them said, exactly what you just said, that phone call that Tom will give me each week was really, was the, the, the glue. Oh, no, the mortar between the bricks. He said that was so important for me just to keep in check, just to make sure that I was okay. And it's absolutely so important to keep on top of that because that one phone call, that how are you, I'm meaning it as well, is so important. Yeah, that's something someone told me. A lot of people get in states of uh, worry and paranoia about like what other people think of them. And it's important to think people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. But the flip of it is people do think about you more than they think you yeah. think they do. Yeah. People do care yeah. about you, but it's dead easy in modern life when you're dead busy and that. Or things aren't going your way to think, oh man, I'm on my own here. Yeah. It's dead easy yeah. to think that. Like Paul, I'd encourage anyone who's out there to always just, just reach don't. out to somebody. And old mates at school and that, just send them a message. It's I've been doing it loads. And yeah. like, it's just come natural. Like Obviously, you're, you're watching stuff and you take stuff in. And we started the podcast to spread positivity in the community. That's the whole reason we're doing this right now. And it, it's, it's huge. Right, he's got another question for you here. Right. Number seven is the answer. <laughs> Green. Close. Oh. <laughs> so it was... Give us an example of a success story. You don't have to name names, but give us a good success story. How was it measured? Well, for me, I've got millions of success stories and I do like to blow my own horn. Yes, and I do change lives. Good. Yeah, That's, I, I, I mean, change yeah. lives. We know. Yeah. And one of the things when people say, well, how do you know that? Even years, 10, 20, 30 years, people could still come up to me and go, do you remember that, that thing you did? And they say whatever, maybe a boys project or when we went here or when we went there, that really changed my life. And I say, well, what do you mean that changed your life? And they say, well, actually, you didn't understand what you did for us. I did because my thought processes are, and so I know how to take people into situations and I know how to go into situations myself. Sometimes there's places I don't want to go. Some places I do want to go. But in terms of how do I know I make a difference? is the feedback I get from people, sometimes on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, I can I can vouch for all that. You know, Keith, we met Keith years ago after the Hilton Grace first. And it was Keith... What was the Hilton Grace? Youth club. It was a youth club, yeah. And um, and then you helped us set up our own youth club, didn't you, in Bridgefield, the Hillwood yeah. Village Project. That's right. Me, Rusty, Rigger, yeah. Rosie, a lot of the boys, some of the girls we used to hang around with. That's right. You got us set up, got us some funding, we got us a space that we could go and... and give us something to yeah. do you know and that was probably what 30 years ago that's right yeah and one of the stories from that and i'm glad you reminded me is i was working with sort of gangs in salford at the time i'll say gangs young groups in salford they tattoo to work so i was working with Salfordians as well as people from Halewood and stuff like that so i was working on the boss there um and when I was working with all the South Audians, I said, come down to, to Liverpool, come down to Elwood, and I'll introduce you to this group that I've, I've worked with. They've set their own youth club up now, uh, called the Hellwood Village Project. And they were like, no, no, no. So it took a couple of a couple of weeks, if not months, to convince all these like sort of Bailey lads to come down to uh, the enemy Liverpool and, uh, and mix with all these other lads. So I got the minibus, went to pick them up from this street, uh, in a lower Broughton that we used to meet up every week. So turned up in a minibus and uh, got, out the, got out the minibus, 
and every one of them, apart from one, had shaved their heads. <laughs> you remember? So every one of them, apart from one, had shaved their heads. To give that perception. Yeah, that, I like, said, what have you done? He went, he went, we're not going down to Liverpool because they're all like sort of, they've all got like sort of uh, big bodies and, and they've got uh, skin heads and that and we don't want to be sort of seen as the weaker ones so we've all shaved our heads. So I was like, <laughs> right, okay then. Uh, <laughs> Right, okay, let's get down there and let's get on with our session. So we got down there and these all had long hair. <laughs> <laughs> long hair, mothers from Liverpool. The mini back, I was just ripping them back out. Yeah, yeah. But it was about all that perception and yeah, all about yeah. that sort of, um, sort of man up stuff, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, you talk about success stories. I would imagine, and I'm not talking from any position of expertise, if you've walked someone into an NA or an AA meeting, You've, some, you've given someone the confidence to go to their first thing. That's a success in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the success is honestly just... I, I see them everywhere. I, when I say every week, I do see them every week. So last week I was in uh, the Shakespeare North Centre because uh, I was meeting the manager there about something else. And I'm walking past and uh, there was this group of old-age pensioners. I just heard this woman holding court, talking quite confidently like that. And I walked past, oh, that's a really good group like that. And I turned around... And it was a woman that I was working with two months ago. And one of the things, because one of the things that we do in, in my moves is we set certain things for you to go and do after my moves is, is finished. And I turned around and the woman was with me because she was feeling lonely. And she didn't have, her husband had died and she didn't have any platforms to sort of to, to, to work through and, and people to work with. And there she is with this group and she's just, she's just flourishing. And giving it loads of, she's talking about loads of stories and I stopped and we just dug each other and went, wow, it was really a... The stories of someone of her probably age that she's seen it all, done it all, yeah. that it must be fantastic, the stories that come off. Yeah, it's 80, off 80, 81 she was, yeah. Like, to flip it on you now, your own personal mental health, how is it? Because I know you've had a difficult time, you've survived cancer, haven't you as well? Yeah, I wouldn't say survived cancer, I'd say I've got cancer, and I, I sort of say live with cancer. So I live with cancer, so yeah, so prostate cancer. It was about five years ago, just walking past the doctors and I was feeling dead healthy. And I thought, you know, I'm feeling that healthy. I'm just going to get an MOT check just to prove how healthy I am. So I went to the doctors and he went, okay, I'll give you a, bl a full blood test, blah, blah. I said, I'll give you this other test called a PSA test. So I thought, oh, sound, yeah, I'll have this as well. Didn't know what it was. And then fast forward, he said, your PSA has risen just slightly we normally wouldn't take it any further than this, but we will. So fast forward again, they've done more tests, more tests, more tests, and they started talking about cancer. And I was thinking, right, okay, prostate, I've got to find out what prostate is and find out what this thing is called, prostate cancer. So I started to find out what prostate cancer is, and, it was, and they kept saying to me, you won't have it, you're too young. You won't have, I think it was 49, coming up to 50. You won't have it too young, you won't have it too young. And then it was like, you, you might have it. And then it was like, and then at that point, I went to my family and said um, to my sisters, because um, I know my dad died of cancer, didn't know which cancer it was. What cancer did my dad die of? And he went, lung cancer. So I went, all oh, right, okay. Then he phoned me back and he went, no, actually it wasn't. It was prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So I started to read the statistics then in terms of prostate cancer. So one in eight white people will get prostate cancer. One in four black people would get prostate cancer. They don't know why. So my statistics went 
zoom right down. So I started to convince myself I've got prostate cancer. More tests, you've got prostate cancer. So when I found out I've got prostate cancer, I wasn't too worried, believe it or not, because I was thinking they can do loads. And at the extreme, they can take it out. So I had cancer on uh, the top end of my prostate and the bottom end of my prostate. So really the only option was to remove it. So they removed it and it was a successful operation and everything was hunky-dory. So you get tested every three, six or 12 months. So I was getting tested every three months and then every six months. And so two years later, uh, still getting tested and they went, your prostate number has gone up. So I was thinking, how come your prostate number have gone up I and mean, I haven't got a prostate? So what's happened as when they've took the prostate out, there's some cancer that's leaked out and gone somewhere. They don't know where it's gone. Affected like the cells around yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So that's where sort of the, it came up. And that devastated me. That was the one that went, I thought, oh my God, the cancer is everywhere now. Uh, and that's why I thought when you mentioned survive cancer, don't use the word survive uh, or beat or fight cancer because it's not a fair fight. And what I, what I, th what I thought is I'm condemned here. This is me. It's over. And I really took myself there. So mentally, like, was that you were in a hole yourself there at the time? Like, Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. it was like sort of <coughs> cancer to come back. And a lot of people where cancer comes back, it's more difficult. So they said, you've got a choice. They said, we can still get it. And I was like, oh, that's good. So then I thought, how are you going to get it? And then he took me through what you call radiotherapy. And you had, I had to go, I had 30... Three sessions of radiotherapy, oh. <clears throat> which meant I, that was every day. So every every day I had to have this for thirty three days. Was that hard? Did that knock the stuff out of you? Like no, no, because no, there's different kind of therapies. Is this Tomo we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there's different kind of therapies and and different kind of radiotherapies. Um, but the the worst thing about the radiotherapy was the preparation because you have to empty your back. You sort of you have to fill your bowels up, and because I've got no prostate, which affects affects your sort of going to toilet and stuff like that. Every time you'd have to fill your bowel When I was going through the, the scans all the time, I had to jump off the, the scanning table one time to get to go and have a wee because yeah. it's like really, really annoying, really. But yeah, I mean, the radiotherapy was really, really, really good results. And so my numbers have come right down now. But I will never say I'm cancer free. I've done that once and it came back. So I just say I'm living with cancer. Do you think a positive mindset helps you? Oh, a positive mindset helped me. I was going for walks. I was talking to people. And that's the thing, you see. I know through lots of stuff in my life, I've talked to people and I've gone, even though they don't know, they've, they've turned me left instead of right. And that could be anywhere, anywhere and anyone. I've been on top of mountains and talked to people about me prostate cancer. And it's like... Therapy for you. Yeah, yeah, therapy for yeah, me, yeah. yeah. And I've come down and thought, you know, that was great. That's always, I was offloading. So I've always offloaded where and when I can. But when it did come back, I thought, that's it. I'm it's great that you've had me. the foresight from probably a, a younger age to, to realise that because that wisdom comes usually with age, doesn't it? It does, but it comes with experiences as well. So at the age of 16, I was living by myself. My mum had died. My dad wasn't around. So I was living on, I was living on Granby Street um, at the age of 17 and a half on Granby Street in the late 80s, early so that 90s. that a tough neighbourhood for anyone who doesn't know. Well... It, I suppose that it, we think it's a tough neighbourhood, but if you're from there, yeah. oh, excellent community, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was going through what you call an, an identity crisis. So I was from 
living in Aylwood, uh, went there to try and be with more people that looked like me, but didn't find it because they've got their own community. Ah, I'm yeah. from Aylwood. So I came back to Aylwood and carried on does my life, but I needed that to sort of... Realise where you to, come to, from. To go, you know what, this is part and parcel of my journey. This is part and parcel of the taxi journey. This is part and parcel of getting it in and out of cars. It's just another car I'm getting in and out of. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's so amazing. Future goals, what's mine moves and your future goals? Okay, my moves, future goals is to continue doing what it's doing and that's changing lives. Also to start to take more people on because I'm looking for, <laughs> this is a little bit weird, I'm looking for, for more me's and I'm starting to find them. When I say more me's, people who I think, yeah, you've got it. And there's lots out there, so I'm starting to look for them and starting to come through. And for me personally, it's just take each day as, as it comes and enjoy life and change lives. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's a massive mantra on people thinking that way, and obviously you're changing that. So advice for anyone now who's struggling, how would you advise them? And is there anywhere they can contact that maybe we can put in the links in the description of the podcast that would help them? Can, can we leave your website on there or any social media yeah, links sure, on there? Yeah, sure, you can leave my website on there, but just remember, if there's, if there's funding... Everyone gets it for free. No funding, obviously. We, we don't operate um, in that sense. But in terms of the message going forward is talk, talk, talk. Honestly, I mean, I've been doing it all my life and getting loads out of it. People have been doing it to me and getting loads out of it and just encourage people to talk about their issues. I think people can themselves pay forward. I think if you're in a good situation yourself and you're in a good mindset, take five minutes out of your day, whether it be a Sunday afternoon, just sitting there, nothing to do. Touch base with someone. Yeah. And I always, I always sort of imagine that as a suitcase. And I say to people, and I've always used this mantra is, obviously people say you can't help people unless you've helped yourself first. So start loving yourself. And one of those things is, if you've got a suitcase and you've got a whole load of clothes in that suitcase, which is all your experiences, start to own that suitcase. Start to look at, at, at some of that clothing. Start to departmentalise it. Put it in certain positions. Because everyone needs to clear their own suitcase out start cleaning other people's out as well don't forget other clothes go in there dirty washing goes in there have another look it's always changing so yeah always be looking at that suitcase and changing it all the stuff that doesn't fit you anymore yeah everything all stuff like that yeah to clear out brilliant massive i definitely think there's something in that positive thinking as well you know i'm sure she won't mind me saying danielle in messages yeah in, like shout out danielle yeah. she's she's had a similar story as well and she's the most positive person i've ever met really just positive thinking and, and, and willing good things and it's quite infectious to be around somebody like that not where it's full on in your face but it's just a bit every day and there's always something positive coming out of her mouth and it, it really catches on I think it, uh, there's a lot in it yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I only recently just started this mindfulness I've heard the phrase a lot mm. but I actually googled what it was last month and mindfulness is just being in the moment just yeah. recognising where you are right now so every morning when I'm walking the dogs, I just try and think of three good things. Because mm -hmm. that's better than walking the dogs thinking about three shit things that are going <laughs> to drag you down for the rest of the day. Yeah. It's like going to the gym and lifting the weight. You just do that three times a day. And it becomes habit. Yeah. And it's better to think positively than it's negatively. It's having gratitude yeah. for what you've got rather than what you haven't got as yeah. well. It's like in this world of like where we're flooded with like but it's fancy easy. cars is, and watches on yeah. Instagram and all this malarkey. You, you're looking at someone else's stuff instead of your own. You just but think it's, it's easy to let that get you down. So just 
do try to think positively. If you can't talk to somebody, yeah. you know, well, your mates have got your back. They want you to be positive. They want you to be in a good place. Mm. You know, and have your own back. Yeah, have your own back. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, sweet. Right. It's time for lost the music. Right, Cugsy couldn't make it tonight, so he's left us a message anyway. So where we go? Evening, lads. Sorry I can't be there tonight. I've got to go to the uh, the hospital to get something looked at. Not the source. I haven't got to get anything up my jacks here or anything. But anyway, that's a whole different story. So I haven't really got a song that's got me through anything particularly bad. But I, always, I do have a song that like I listen to regularly that just takes me back to my teenage years. You know, that time when you didn't have a care in the world and you had the rest of your life ahead of you. A life full of dreams. I'm sure it's a time that we all yearn for again. So I'm going back to 1977. And it's a young 12-year-old kid finding himself through listening to John Peel and starting his musical education. So I'm going to choose what I believe is one of the best songs that's ever been made. And my choice tonight is Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. Have a great night, lads, and I'll see you soon. Just let it play, and then it'll play again. Every time she walks down the street, another girl in the neighborhood. Wish she was mine, she looks so good. I wanna hold her, wanna hold her tight. Get teenage kicks right through. Thanks for that one, Cugs. So next up we've got it. Tomo, you're lost in music. What was your choice? So it's optimistic by the sounds of blackness. Oh, tune. I used to dance to it. I used to go to soul clubs and I used to dance to it. Feeling it and listening to it, but not knowing really where it came from. And it's a gospel song. And it's just so amazing. And it just takes me to places and spaces. Yeah, it's amazing. Coley's up next. So, yeah, with the, the theme being mental health, pick the song that I always sort of makes me feel a bit better. Not for any particular reason or event. It's got trumpets and bongos in, so how can That's I not make it feel yeah. better yeah. anyway? You just rob my tagline, I'll play it first. <laughs> um, so it's Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield. It's got oh, the tune, message in as well. Tune. It's got the it's got the, the message that you're saying, keep striving to move forward, yeah. no matter what's yeah. in your way. And, uh, you know, Love you'll it. get there. And don't cry. Your folks might understand you by and by. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time complications. So I'd just like to write under that, I put 
I love bongos. That's not a uh, euphemism for boobies either. But uh, yeah, I, I always regret not playing the bongos. I've got a thing. I am still debating with myself to buy a set of bongos and learn how it's to do It's Christmas it. coming up. Yeah, yeah. It's so, time for it to go in your So list. Yeah, and Santa might bring me some bongos. I think he will, yeah. Okay. Duffman, what's your choice? Yeah, mine's, a, mine's a slightly different one. In the, um, a tune that it literally turned things on its head for me a few years ago. I was going through a bad time and I was just things were just work was getting me down just things were heavy and i was listening to the kings of leon on the bus on a wet morning it was freezing and there's a, a, it's cold desert by the kings of leon and there's a line in it where jesus don't love me no one ever carried my load i'm too young to feel this old and too young to feel this old it just smashed me around the back of the head i thought right i'm gonna have to sort this out and it just made me just it kick-started me i just changed my lifestyle around in a lot of ways got the gym going, got me head down with studying, got some professional exams, and, and really, it I don't know what it was, but I'll never forget it. And when I hear it, it just makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like. Did you get your nipples tattooed? No, no, pierced. ones from me are Bumchum, Anthony Baxter. He's been on the social media and that, loving the show. He's been loving them coffee pods. And he's picked a local group, Casino. Love Go On. They've been supporting Jamie Webster. And that was Lost in Music. Social media. First off, Keith Tomo, social media for the mind moves, please, so what? everyone knows. What's your social media, mate? Social media, if you go to a website, www.mymoves.co.uk. Okay. Have you got an Instagram or a Facebook or anything like that? It's, yeah, if you just go through the website, everything's there. there All the links. Oh, All the links will be in the We'll put them the on our description yeah. as well. And if you want to look at us, it's the Pod Notes, P-O-D-N-A-U-T-S, Facebook and Instagram as well. Join the Telegram group as well. People have stopped doing that recently. Have a little chat with us. Get early access to the show a little bit. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you get vouchers for anything? They yeah. do, you oh, off yeah. 25% <laughs> off my moves. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
A shout out. Got any shout outs, Samo? I've got a shout out to Lachlan Hall. Yeah, shout out. Hold on, you mean Lord Lachlan Marcus Hall of Chilwell? You mean? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant guy. Absolutely love him. He's special. I had a tough time myself, Lochie, and you're still standing, mate. Well done. Well, he's reclining at the moment. Yeah, he's like, reclining, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Crypto Kev on the Isle of Man, um, to Will Jazz, Jimmy Allen, um, and uh, to everybody who's listening. You know, massive shout out to everybody. We really do appreciate the support and the feedback we're getting. It's wicked. Yeah, it's and so it, good. Everyone who commented on the coffee pods and the Krimbo one, we got loads on loads of content after Crimbo one mm. and the coffee pod this week was just not a dry eye in the house I believe yeah it was brilliant so man. yeah all the listeners brilliant made up 600 downloads in 30 days we got so wow. that wasn't bad brilliant any shout guys well, I'll just have to be to everyone morning after this episode today so yeah hello to everyone yeah Max anything yeah my man probably be my mates because like they're the only people that I, that I can kind of get a release with just going out getting out of work and you know every time I've been feeling like that I give them a call and they're always there for me so nice yeah. one Max. the mates, mates prop then. up your yeah. mental health yeah, they do, definitely they don't your bros. definitely remember everyone pay it forward send their messages out that was the pod notes nice one